coming up inside Cluffy's office after his final match at the city ground. Suddenly a, a side door opened and, and there we were, we were allowed in. And he was lovely. He kissed us all on the cheek. He allowed us to have a picture, which as you can understand is, is you know, very proudly in my possession. Plus the sweet treat at the Clough family news agents. We were locking up and I think he was, you know, he was leaving as I was locking up. And again, he was like, son, take what chocolate you want. It's on me or something like that. So not only did, did Brian Clough, you know, sit in and, and work on a shift with me in, in, in the family news agents, you know, he gave us some free chocolate afterwards. If you don't see me after half time, it means you've, you've been bloody rubbish. And if you're not rubbish today, that'll be a change. Hello and welcome along to the Green Jumper podcast, where we love to hear stories and memories from the Brian Clough era. I'm Marcus Alton, the editor of the tribute website, brianclough.com. Coming up, there's another competition to win an exclusive Cloughy prize. But first, my guest today is a sports journalist who is actually one of a rare breed. He's a journalist who was invited into Cluffy's home to record a really special conversation. It's a warm welcome to Chris Ellis. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Hello, Marcus, and thanks for having me on. Well, before we get on to that recording you made at uh, Brian's house, I've heard that uh, you were once on the wrong end of a telling off from him. What was that all about? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as, as we'll talk about, there's there's three or four sort of Brian Clough stories, but I do wonder whether this is the funniest. I, I love loads of sports, football, obviously, but but cricket and ice hockey too. And, and I'm trying to work out how old I was, but I got a telling off from Brian Clough at the cricket. We know he loved his cricket. I mean, you know, you read many stories about him loving his cricket. And I think, I, I guess I was between about nine and, and 11. And I used to, as soon as school finished, I used to run down to Trent Bridge. So I could probably get down to Trent Bridge for about four o'clock, sometimes go with my brother, sometimes go with my friends. And I think I was with, was with a friend called James Gibbons. Um, may or may not be true. It just feels as though it was James. And we, we were friends since, you know, we were kids at, at school. Our mum and dads were friends. Um, and, you know, we'd go down the cricket. I mean, one thing about the cricket, I've got to be honest, at that age, it wasn't really about the cricket. I mean, OK, that was fun. But it was going down and eating sweets and, and, and whatever and kind of exploring Trent Bridge. I remember we just used to love playing cricket down the side of Trent Bridge and going up in the lifts and when the new stand was built. I think it was the Hound Road stand at the time. But anyway, for, for memory, this was in the... Um, Larwood and Vos Tavern stand, you know, above the above the Larwood and Vos. And and we were just probably messing around as kids do. Who knows what we were doing? And suddenly this booming voice comes out. And I remember it was something like, Oi, son, shut up. I'm trying to watch the cricket. That's a dreadful impression, by the way. <laughs> um, and, and there it was. I think, you know, from memory, we'd probably spotted him before. Uh, and that may have been one of the reasons why we went close. Um, but yeah, we were making too much noise for Brian Clough and he basically told us to shut up. Yeah, you were disturbing his concentration. I mean, let's be honest, so many famous, famous people have been on the wrong end of, of Brian Clough, players, managers. I mean, supporters have had to kiss and make up with him as well. We know the famous stories. But yeah, this is a this may have been like a very minor, minor thing in, in the whole Brian Clough 
famous stories but yeah I was on the on the wrong end of a telling off and of course when Brian Clough tells you off you you go quiet and you barely whisper another word I was going to say I bet you were quiet for the rest of the day weren't you after that I, I think so even when we were like probably around the other side of the ground I think we were probably a bit nervous you know I do think we kind of like e eked away thinking oh we've just been told off by one of our heroes because Brian Clough and, and people like Stuart Pearce always been heroes of mine um but yeah so so you know very strange situation as a kid getting a telling off from from one of your heroes but i probably deserved it i was making too much noise <laughs> i meant to make noise at cricket you meant to be quiet and watch the you know well certainly in those days it's a bit more razzmatazz cricket but yeah. in the sort of late 80s uh well mid you know mid to late 80s it, it was kind of you had to be quiet and, and and just watch the cricket yeah i don't know what he'd make of all the uh the noise these days with the the bands playing and the the music in the 2020s and all that sort of thing. Yeah, you just feel as though that wouldn't be him. I mean, I'm I'm quite a traditionalist at cricket, and you know I've had to learn to adapt. And I now love many aspects of of 2020. But give me a Test match over 2020 any day, but that's a different story. But yeah, you can imagine that Brian Clough wouldn't sit there and enjoy all that razzmatazz. Well, after that telling off, fortunately, you were on much better terms when you went to his house in Derby. Um, along with Brian's loyal captain, of course, John McGovern. How did that come about? Well, you know what? The funny thing is, and, and you know, I, I'd, I'd kind of forgotten about this. And that's crazy because this this should be the standout Brian Clough moment in your life. You, you know, I've been to his house. Yeah, like, you know, I can almost picture more as, a, as an 11-year-old boy getting told off by him. Um, but it wasn't until you sent me the email about the fact I was at his house with John McGovern. And then I suddenly went, oh my word, I was. Uh, and it was amazing because suddenly it was this moment where I was like, crumbs, how have I not thought about that for 10 years or, or more or however long it's been since it happened? Um, but yes, but the, the, the bottom line was... Uh, I assume it was Colin Frey, the sports editor. Uh, who he, I mean, he's been at Radio Nottingham for years. So, I mean... Um, it must have been his idea. Could have been someone else's. You know, it's probably his or Robin Chipperfield's at the time. Um, but the idea was, as you mentioned, John McGovern and Brian Clough. And it was for, you know, John McGovern was commentating alongside Colin Frey in those days for BBC Radio Nottingham. Um, and they wanted the two of them to have a chat. It was ahead of a derby game, uh, a Forest derby game. Um, but John McGovern, he was not technical. He didn't know how to operate a, a recording machine. And so I got this call. And as I say, it all began to come back to me once I'd, I'd seen your email and I began to sort of think about it. And I can picture now going in his house, and you know, which I'll come to in a moment. But yeah, I got the call from, from who I, I assume it was Colin Frey, but from the Radio Night in Sports Department. And it was like, right, we need somebody to go and hold a recording machine to interview Brian Clough uh, for John McGovern and Brian Clough to have a chat. You don't turn down that opportunity, do you? Obviously not. No, I mean, for a journalist to, to be allowed in as well. Um, but obviously, we you know, we see Cloughy you know, pictures of him at the city ground or the baseball ground. But what was it like to actually see him in his, his own territory, uh, private territory, if you like? Yeah, it, it was it was so strange. And, and say that the more I think about it, the more it comes back to me. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you what he was wearing, um, but I remember just kneeling down on on this uh, floor. So Brian and um, and John were on a sofa and then obviously I had to sort of sit between them. I think the only way to do it was to, to sit on the floor. And it, and it was in the days where, I mean, I can't remember what piece of device it was recorded on, um, uh, but now you have little things called, I mean, the listeners perhaps won't know, but they have Zooms and things and they're really compact. But this would have been a real big, chunky thing uh so i had a long radio a long microphone as well and i was literally just holding the microphone kind of half you know in the air really and then moving it between john and, and brian and, and one of my memories of it 
um, is that you know, within five minutes, my arm was killing. And I think they spoke for 20 to 30 minutes. So you can imagine, you know, what it was like. And in my head, I was like, I want to stop holding this microphone, but you can't tell no. two of the most famous people in forest history to stop while you readjust your microphone. I think I may have changed hands a couple of times. Um, but I, you know, the, the recollections I have of his house, uh, it was a, it was a really neat and well presented house. He was very friendly. The usual stories, ask you how you were, who you were and stuff like that. But yeah, I was nervous. And when I listened back to the recording that, that you sent me, you can tell at the very start, I'm talking to myself. I can I can hear myself on the tape, but I'm talking to myself. So that shows how, how nervous I was. Um, but yeah, you know, I remember meeting John McGovern just a bit before. John obviously strode up confidently. Well, he seemed confident. I'm sure he was to the front door. And there's me, a petrified 20-something-year-old, as I think I was then, you know, going to Brian Clough's house. Like you said, how many people get to do that? You know, I may not have interviewed him, but I was in his house. It's, it's you know, I still pinch myself now. Now I think about it. Yeah, it was a really interesting uh, conversation. And I remember Brian actually leading the, the the chat for for, yeah. for for quite a while. In fact, he he started off, didn't he, with yeah. uh, sort of what well, what can I do for you then, John? <laughs> yeah, and, and that's and that's fascinating as well because literally I was I was talking to Colin Frey about that and and saying it's it was clearly the piece in mind was let's send you know our our commentator our summariser John McGovern, former Forest captain who worked under Brian Clough not just at Forest, of course, but at Derby, um, to have a chat with, with Brian. And, and it, that's what it felt like. It was two old colleagues, even friends, having a chat. But you're right. I mean, typical Cloughy, you know, he led the way. You know, once kind of I'd said everything was rolling, there was no, like, John asking a question. Cloughy just jumped straight in. And, and as you say, at times he led that, you know, you... You know, John was technically the the reporter, I suppose, if anything, although it didn't really feel that way. It really did feel like two people having a chat. But but in real Brian Clough style, he he took over and and, and led the conversation. John got in as much as he could, of course, but it is it was fascinating. And and I think John he, he did try to tease out of Brian who he thought might win this derby match between Forrest and and, and the Rams. But obviously, it was a very difficult situation for him, wasn't it, to to go one way or the other? Yeah, he, he kind of sat on the fence. Although, if, if you if you remember, um, he he did kind of say Derby weren't as good as they thought they were. I think there was a phrase something like, uh, "Or Derby aren't as good as people think they are." Um, yes. Which which you know was that maybe telling? Was that in a coverted way saying I'm I'm going for Forest? I mean, yeah. it's was his heart with Forest or was it with Derby County? I guess we will never know where it really was. Um, but both sets of fans will have massive reasons for saying it was with them. And it was in the days that uh, John Gregory was manager of Derby. Uh, Paul Hart was in charge of Forest. And of course, Cluffy had originally signed Harty from Leeds many, many years ago. And that they talked about some of the players. I mean, even a, a young Michael Dawson was playing yeah. for, for Forest then. I was going to say, so funny, you mentioned Michael Dawson. I suddenly thought, crumbs, you know, here we are talking about a young Michael Dawson who's just made his debut. And then the, the, he leaves the club and makes the club money. And he's still here. It was just fascinating to think that interview was done when Dawson was just a little pup. And now he's the experienced player, you know, almost like that captain, like John McGovern player. Um, and it's just fascinating to see what was talked about all those years ago. Yeah. How time flies, eh? One question I really did like uh, that John asked was how Brian would deal with some of the 
fashion statements by a few of the players who were around then. And uh, John mentioned Freddie Lundberg, who was with Arsenal, and how he had a red streak through his hair. And you can imagine Brian's reaction to that, can't you? Yeah, and and yet, just think now, though. I mean, that was more than probably 15 years ago. And and think now where they have different coloured boots, uh, crazy hair. Um, I mean, that's just two things, isn't it? I mean, that... There's John McGovern asking Brian Clough what he thought all those years ago. Yeah. And, and probably it's it's even worse now. You know, we imagine Brian Clough, you know, seeing his footballers on Twitter. You know, the, the things that they write on Twitter, the arguments they get into. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. If, if there was Twitter around in, in, in Cloughy's day and Cloughy uh, wanted to use it, he would have been brilliant. But I'm not, you know, I, I, I suspect Brian Clough would have been, had to be persuaded to use Twitter. But can you imagine uh, Brian Clough having a Twitter account? <laughs> They've been superb. Those one-liners would just fit perfectly, wouldn't they? Into yeah. Twitter was made for Brian Clough. Yeah. One-liners, 140 <laughs> characters or whatever. You've hit the nail on the head, Marcus. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Well, we'll talk a bit more in a moment. But first, news of a special offer. What I want to say very briefly, because I've been told to keep it down to two minutes. Now, the guy who told me that must be a bloody idiot for a start. <laughs> To mark the news that my four Brian Clough books are in an Amazon Top 50 bestsellers list, here's a great discount just for you. I'm giving you an extra 25% off the discounted prices on brianclough.com. To qualify, just email discount at brianclough.com and you'll get access to that extra saving. Bear with us because demand is expected to be high, but email discount at brianclough.com and we'll let you know how to obtain that extra 25% off my Brian Clough books on the Tribute website. And don't forget the range of books is helping the types of good causes that Brian and Barbara Clough supported. Back now to my guest Chris Ellis, who's been talking about the time he went to Cluffy's home to record a special conversation between Brian and John McGovern for the BBC. But uh, some years back, you were also fortunate to be allowed in the inner sanctum um, of Brian's office. How did that come about? Yes, yeah, so so this is a good few years after my, my telling off. Um, and, and, you know, he certainly didn't recognize me, <laughs> you know, he might've pushed me out the door if he had and said, you're the, you're the lad that ruined my cricket. Um, so if, you know, if, if you remember, and I'm sure you do, Marcus, Brian Clough's final home game was the Sheffield United defeat when Forrest sadly got relegated, uh, which, which I went to, uh, and cried. And then the following Saturday was Ipswich away, which again, I went to, which, you know, turned into, as you probably remember, a celebration of Brian Clough. And I just remember the Forest fans never stopped chanting. I think Forest lost 2-1. Might be wrong. Um, but I think Forest lost that day. And the, the Forest fans just never stopped chanting. Uh, Ipswich fans showed, you know, brilliant acclaim for Brian Clough too. But his final, final, final game. And we remember how important Brian Clough even thought reserve games were, which kind of, I don't know whether it's kind of fitting that his final game as a Forest manager with Forest involvement was a reserve game. Really can't remember who they played at home. Think it was the Tuesday or the Wednesday after that final game at Ipswich. And and there was a reserve game and I can't remember whether it was always in my plans or my mum or dad's plans to do what happened but all I remember is going to the game I had no idea who Forrest played the reserves what they won but after the game we stood around and waited for Brian Clough 
outside the ground so we were outside the uh, the main stand in the car park now at the time his office looked onto the car park but the windows were really high so you know there was light obviously that went into his office but you couldn't see there was a group of us I think about six or seven of which I was probably the youngest I, I was at senior school by then so 14 15 anyway so we waited and we waited and we waited and and even one of the people who who was waiting had a ladder and he went he put the ladder against the uh, against the wall of the of the <laughs> office of the main stand yeah. that looked out and looked in and he went yeah 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 Clough is in there there's a few other people in there as well oh. i don't know whether anyone saw him he came that down i remember somehow someone from the club was aware we were there and said brian is aware that you're here and I feel like we waited two hours. Could have been more, could have been less. It feels like two hours. And suddenly a, a side door opened and, and there we were. We were allowed in. Um, there was some people who I feel like I should remember, a journalist, and, and I can't think right for right now, remember who, but there was a handful of people in his office. I don't know, five or six. Um, and he was lovely. He kissed us all on the cheek. He allowed us to have a picture, which, as you can understand, is, is you know, very proudly in my possession. Um, but, yeah, there's me and Brian Clough with my pinstripe forest shirt, because that was the pinstripes in the year that we oh, yeah. that we went down. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, we were probably in there no more than 10 minutes. He gave us a few minutes of time. And then just before we left, he said it was great. And I, and I don't know whether it was my cap or someone else's. He said, I'm going to try and chuck this cap onto this uh, clothes peg. It got like a circular clothes peg on 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 in, in the office. So we had a couple of attempts at that, and on his second time, he got the the hat on the on on the peg. And uh, you know, not long after that, we were ushered out. And of course, it wasn't in the days of instant photos on your phone or whatever. And, and I remember, my, I think my mum had been home, got the camera, she'd come back, so she she joined us to, to wait. She took the picture, and, and I even think you know, because obviously in those days you paid three ninety nine for four day photography to get it. I mean, look at that crazy three ninety nine to wait four days for your photo. Uh, but I think she paid for the one hour photo, oh. and she actually came into school yeah. uh, on the you know came in on the lunch break and uh, had the photos developed already and, and showed me the photo, which obviously we then got blown up. And, uh, and 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 it's now in my treasure possession. It's framed, as I say, um, because of house movements recently. It's it's not on my wall, but it will be very soon. And um, you know, it's a treasure possession. A fantastic souvenir. And of that moment in his office, I mean, was the mood somber, or was it quite sort of reflective and no tears? No, I think it was quite jolly. I can't remember the people that were with him. I probably didn't know. I was, you know, it, perhaps if it was a a 35-year-old Chris Ellis, it, I might have known the people, do you know what I mean? But I was a 14-year-old kid, so, I, you know, I probably wouldn't have recognised many people anyway. Um, but, yeah, we went into this very welcoming environment that was that was jovial, uh, and clearly they'd been sitting there, you know, reflecting on on Cloughy, who, you know, and these people, whether they, I guess, I guess they were friends, journalists, you know, assistant managers, maybe people like that. Uh, you know, I, I mean, maybe one yes. was Ron Fenton. I think it probably was. Uh, I'm pretty sure one was him. So, yeah. And it's weird because it's, it, I almost have more picture memories of that one rather than going to Clovis House, which happened a lot more recent, which is crazy. What about any music? Was the Frank Sinatra or the Ink Spots playing, <laughs> playing in the background? 
I don't remember. I'd love to tell you that we that we went into my way being played out, uh, you know, blasted yeah. out probably. But no, I, yeah. I, I can't remember. Um, but but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just so pleased that that for whatever reason, whether it was my idea, my mom's idea, my dad's idea, I really couldn't tell you. But I'm just so pleased that I, you know, I managed to to do that, to be kind of there on this final game and then have the photo evidence is is something so special. Exactly. And you also have some fond memories, don't you, of uh, being with him at the family news agents in Nottingham. Did, did you work there at the time? Yes, I, I worked there um, in two stints, actually. My, my um, a family friend, Ken Vokes, uh, worked in the shop. Uh, brother of my godfather, Tony Vokes. Tony is a massive Nottingham Forest fan and it's my godfather, but Ken is older brother, uh, not not a football fan, but he worked in that shop. But yes, yeah, so so he got me a Saturday job as a, I don't know, what was I, 11 or 12 or or, or whatever. And then um, I also returned when I, I left school for a, about a year and a bit at 18, 19 sort of age. And uh, that's when, my biggest memories of Cloughy are um, because obviously that it was a family run news agent uh, effectively run by Simon, his son. Great, great fella. Really great boss to work for. I still love walking in the shop now to see Simon and have some wonderful conversations with him whenever I managed to pop into the news agents. Cloughy, very rarely did Brian Clough come in. But my, my biggest memory is he came in one Sunday and you can imagine on a Sunday, not many staff worked in the shop. There was just me and one other girl. Uh, and he, he and when he would come in, he would come up on an unannounced. You didn't know he was coming. So I guess I was in charge that day. I had opened up the shop at six o'clock, got the papers ready. Uh, and the other member of staff probably came in about nine. And Sundays in, in a news agent weren't that busy. Um, but he just turned up uh, and he and he just didn't really. And again, this is another memory that sticks. He didn't really say anything. Hello, son. Hello, young lady. And, and he <laughs> and he got a chair. Yeah. And I kid you not, he got a chair and he sat in the middle of the shop. So you coming in, you couldn't avoid him. It wasn't like he was on one side. You literally had to go left or right of him. So <laughs> yes. you can imagine some people walked in. I mean, was there anyone who didn't know who he was? You would you would struggle to believe it. Yeah. So other people were too scared to talk to him or perhaps they weren't a football fan and didn't want to talk to him. But the amount of people that did and he sat there and he talked to everybody that came in. Very briefly, I mean, you know, again, people coming in and see Brian Club, they're probably too startled. Yes. So he sat there for a good hour, I would say. And, and I remember he helped tidy up some chocolate. We were, you know, you'd, on Sunday, you can stack the shelves and stuff uh, and you can put extra, you know, get the chocolate out. And again, you, you hear stories from players about, you know, their wives getting lots of flowers or chocolates from his shop. And I can, t you know, tell a side of that at the end of the at shift. We were locking up and I think he was, you know, he was leaving as I was locking up. And again, he was like, son, take what chocolate you want. It's on me or something like that. So not only did, did Brian Clough, you know, sit in and, and work on a shift with me in, in, in the family news agents, you know, he gave us some free chocolate afterwards. And, and you know, again, I mean, it was crazy. Four Brian Clough stories, which are all quite strange in their own way. Yeah. I think if I, if, if I was... In those days, I was less confident. You know, you grow up and you get to be more of a confident character and you, and you have to have confidence if you want to do a you know, job in, in, in the media. Or, you know, although, I, you know, there's still times when I find myself nervous and shy as anything. Um, but I think if I, if I met him today, I would probably go, God, you know, I really wish I could meet him today. You know, don't we all? But I'd probably go, do you remember that time when I was 10 and you told off the young lad at, at, at a cricket game and then have a laugh with him? But yeah, so again, 
to, to and to see and to see the interaction of of all the fans coming in and the look on their faces because some fans would have known that was his shop and even the ones that knew it was his shop probably never expected to see him in there and the startled look on the faces was was something to behold yeah i remember seeing him on that stall in the in the news agents as well and and having a chat uh, wonderful memories and uh, yes i think if he did see you now he'd probably say stop making all that noise <laughs> <laughs> He probably would. He'd probably go, you know, stop wittering away or something like that. Get your hair cut. That's what he'd say. He right would now. say, get your hair cut. <laughs> well, it's been absolutely fantastic uh, reminiscing with you, Chris. Uh, some lovely, cluffy memories there. Thanks very much for joining me. And thanks for asking. It's been real fun. And thanks again to you for listening. It's great to receive all the emails of support. If you have a cluffy memory you'd like to share, you can email me at youngman at brianclough.com. Don't forget about the special offer I mentioned earlier, and I'll speak to you soon for more memories of the great man in the green jumper. <laughs>